Hello and welcome to this week's edition of How Might We? Uh, my name is Scott Hunter from Innovate Crowd, and again, I'm happy to have back as another, as a, well, not another guest, as a guest again is Gary Gorman. And today we're going to be discussing how might we negotiate under pressure. So, Gary, for those of you who may not have heard you on your our previous podcast, would you like to introduce yourselves, please? I can't believe there's anybody that's not heard us on the previous podcast, Scott. Billions but... people, billions. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, hi again, and thanks for having me back. My name is Gary Gorman, and I'm a negotiation expert, particularly helping commercial sales teams negotiate more effective and more profitable contracts and agreements. Okay. And the reason we came up with this is on our previous podcast, when you said you're in negotiation, I said, oh, I used to be a hostage negotiator trainer for the UK prison service, and we thought we'd be great to see, have a chat about the sort of the similarities, differences, and sort of maybe how the two sort of disciplines can work together or, or, or learn from each other, really. Yeah, that, exactly that. Exactly that, wasn't it? Because I've, I've, I've dealt solely with negotiation from a commercial point of view, both myself dealing with mainly high street multiple grocery accounts, but also obviously moving on as a trainer to train commercial negotiation. And I'm interested in this as well in terms of, the similarities, the differences between the techniques and the behavioural best practice that is evident in good commercial negotiators, and how does that translate into hostage negotiations? What are the what are the what are the similarities, and what are the things that are maybe a bit nuanced and a bit different? So yeah, I thought it was an interesting topic for us to to discuss, Scott. So where do we start? I guess. Well, but we could try it at the beginning. So that's, that's, that's a very good place to start, as Julie Andrews once said. It's a very good place to start at the beginning. Okay, so we said under pressure. So let's start, obviously, looking at what's the key, the key things that you, when you do your commercial negotiation, what's some of the key areas that you've found that people want to have more clarity or, or information on? Well, I, I think it's I think it's worthwhile thinking around this pressure because, and with probably something we come on to later on. Because, let's face it, it's commercial negotiation. It's it's pounds, shillings, and pence. It's money. It's important. It's commercially vital for the profitability of businesses, but it's not life and death. And I'm sure when we come into the hostage negotiation, which could involve that. I'm sure pressure is relative, but let but let let's assume that there is commercial pressure to get a profitable deal negotiated with another party, which is obviously where commercial negotiation comes in. A few a few skills that I feel are relevant in that, and a few behavioural skills are are patience. I think it's important to be patient and to be measured. By that I mean being unemotional, and again I'm sure that that's a crossover and a similarity with hostage negotiation. Keep emotion out of it. Be focused on the end objective, but keep emotion out of it. Conversely, emotion can be useful if it drives you closer to your goal. But on the whole, being unemotive, being level-headed is the right thing to do, in my view. The wrong thing to do is to let emotional run, emotions run away with you that you make rash decisions. So I always say, you know, when I'm working with teams, it's not, it's not a problem to be emotional if it gets you closer to your destination. But use it consciously 
not as a knee-jerk reaction to, to triggers elsewhere. Okay. Um, clear communication, I think, is important. Uh, and hopefully I clearly communicated that last point around being emotional or unemotional. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, we could end the podcast now. <laughs> but, yeah, I think clear communication, no, no waffle, being very focused on your proposals and the moves that you make. Use of silence is, is part of that. And that's a, that's a key skill that I often see underappreciated by commercial negotiators is the use of silence. Another point I think is creativity. I think it's important to keep a negotiation, be it commercial or I assume hostage kind of negotiation, keep it moving, keep it positive, build on areas of agreement, build on areas that you have agreed on rather than get blocked and stumble over areas that you haven't agreed on. So I think it's important that the negotiator has positive aspirations and keeps the negotiation creative and fluid and moving forward, building on what's been built before. One area that I thought is slightly overlaps, but in a different way, is time pressures. Because often clients and customers will put artificial time pressure upon the negotiator. And I emphasize the word artificial because I'm assuming in your hostage, when you've been training hostage negotiators, that time pressure is real time pressure. There is a real, the clock is literally ticking in that situation. I think in commercial negotiation, it's a bit of the game. It's a bit of the ritual where they invent artificial time pressures. So sometimes it's important to recognize the fact that they are artificial. So I think that's, that's another point that's relevant. And I also think a degree of overlap would be around building on, I think I've touched on it already, I suppose, but sharing agendas, building on common ground, building on areas of overlap, building on areas of, of mutual benefit that will benefit both parties. In, to, to greater or lesser extent, but nevertheless, both parties can walk away with the deal been happy with it maybe not totally satisfied with it but they can live with it both parties can live with the the slice of the cake that they walk away with so those are my I suppose initial thoughts Scott in terms of some of the similarities and some of the slight differences what are your thoughts on that I think yeah for me if we go through them so the first one was like the emotions definitely it's being aware of your emotions is highly important because even as you say, commercial is can be an, an emotive situation because people are driven and they've got stuff to do. But in a in a, a hostage, it definitely is a highly emotionally charged environment, and you you don't want to add to that. You want to try and diffuse that a little bit wherever you possibly can. So, emotions or using emotions or being aware of emotions is important. So, say having them is okay because we we do have them, but it's being aware of them, as you say. They don't drive. They don't drive the agenda. You're aware and consciously aware of your decisions and what you're trying to achieve. But be mindful of the emotional state you are in, and also the person you're talking to. So you've got to be very, very aware of the emotional journey that's going on, because you don't you don't want to um, say or do something that's going to flare. So if, if somebody's just started to calm down again, the last thing you want to do is to do something that's going to escalate that person. Yes. Unless that's useful. Yes, exactly. If 
if that emotion is delivered consciously for a purpose. Yes. So you might be somebody's doing something and they might be getting, I don't know, quite low. And you think yeah. there's a risk of him or that person doing something really negative. You might do something to inject energy back into that conversation to take him out of that place that is not a good place for that person to be. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. I think be highly aware of the emotion and saying, where, where are we trying, where do we need these people to be for us to be able to successfully conclude this? And then you might need to do something that seems counterintuitive to help you get there. Correct. Yeah. And in a commercial, just building upon that, looking at it from a commercial point of view, when emotion is relevant is, is when we flinch, as I call it. In other words, you make me an initial proposal. If I don't flinch, and a flinch can be, you know, a sharp intake of breath. It can be, you know, a sense of outrage. It can be, oh, you must be joking with that. That's ridiculous first offer. That's a ridiculous situation. If I don't do that, if I don't demonstrate some form of flinch, an emotional flinch, you'll go away thinking, Gary's okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm not far off reaching a deal now. I don't need to do much more. So it's important that we do use emotion in that situation and in the hostage situation consciously to make a point and also being aware of what you're doing is sort of looking at where the other person is and where are they emotionally and where do so and years ago or years after doing this i came across the mood meter and i've seen it and it's looking at sort of where you are emotionally and it's a fantastic tool highly recommend people do it and it puts is one of the best definitions i've ever heard of emotion what emotions are is energy emotion and so I, I really can't remember the name. I think it's Mark Buckingham or something like that who created it. He's from an American university, Yale or Harvard, I think. And it's, you, it's, on, a, it's on an axis of levels of energy, high and low, and then unpleasantness and pleasant. And there's like four quadrants. So I think being aware of where the person is and then where you are and where, where does that person need to be for you to be, for it to, for this, for this to move along. Yes. In yeah. a positive or towards a positive outcome, which whatever that may be, if you're commercial, it's always about getting a positive outcome. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's, that's an important thing. I think also you said about making sure it's moving, but having patience with that, I think is important. So you don't, don't go straight for solutions. Don't go, somebody said, oh, I'm here because of ABC, you know, and they want that. And then we try and solve the problem. I said, no, because we need that person to come come on that journey with us. So don't go straight to trying to solve the problem. It's about trying to really uncover what is what is that what is going on. And I think that's one of the similarities as well, is often what they say as their opening gambit, so to speak, is not the truth. There is something usually underneath the surface that really needs to be dug out. So what's, what is the, what, and I'm saying, what is the motive? What is actually drive? What has happened that's driven this person to take this drastic action? Yeah. What, what is driving this? And you're going to say, I want a helicopter. Or I want this. Yeah. They're, they're not the solutions. Yes. They're the solutions deeper down. And it's about constantly digging to look for the, the what's the emotive drive? What's, what's the thing that's driving this? What's the real, what's the real thing they're trying to achieve? Yeah, and I think that's where open-mindedness—excuse <clears throat> me—where open-mindedness comes into play, doesn't it? It's, it's that it's not commercially or in hostage situations. It's not jumping to conclusions. It's keeping an open mind. It's probing further, isn't it? It's understanding their drivers, their situation meticulously. 
Yeah, and just keep going. So I, I think it's been um, ferociously curious. Love it. Yeah, like that. For, but obviously not aggressively because you don't want to upset people too much. But yeah, being being ferociously curious to say open-minded about what's going on, open-minded about why this person is here, uh, what this person's driven this person to do what they've done. Yeah. And why did they see this as a solution? Yeah. So what is it? And it's usually something, and it can be something quite what we would consider trivial, but in that where that person is at that moment in time, obviously it's not for them. Yeah, it's and commercially we 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 explain that little bit around extrinsic and intrinsic drivers. Mm-hmm. Extrinsic driver in your in the person you're negotiating with, usually in, in my case, because I train sales teams, usually the head buyer, yeah, the procurement manager or, or buyer. What are their extrinsic and intrinsic values? Extrinsic being what's how are they graded in the hierarchy? How are they? You might not know exactly, but you know roughly how. What salary band would they be on? You know what what sort of extrinsic trinkets of authority might might they have? Extrinsic that you can see, you can evidence, you can look at the organogram and see how far they're on the hierarchy. Extrinsic. However, they'll also have intrinsic values. Status, ego, willingness to please my boss, things that you can't measure, but are nevertheless there. And I think that links well what you've just said in terms of not taking everything at face value, digging in deeper as to why things are important to that person. What value is it giving them? And I don't just mean in pounds value. I mean the, the intrinsic within themselves, the value they have themselves. Yes, and I, and, the, and understanding those drivers in a, in either situation allows you to find solutions that will still meet some of those drivers. Yeah, because as soon as we can work out to a point where we're comfortable knowing, we think we know where this person is. You can then start testing: uh, Are we on the right track now? Are we are we starting to? Can we sort of pick a way around this solution that? does not involve them doing any harm to the, the uh, people they've taken hostage. Yeah. Or to themselves, I guess as well. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's any harm. So, I mean, this, the, the advantage with the hostage negotiation is, is the solution. The solution was always different, but the outcome you want, there's, there's, there's an outcome always the same. So I don't have to think about the outcome. My yeah. desired outcome is identical every time. So no, this, no, understand your BHAG and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. No. I just know my job, if I'm negotiating with this person, is to try and bring this to a safe conclusion. Yes. Whereas, whereas commercially, what will be a good deal with customer A might not be a good deal with customer B. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's more fluidity around that, isn't there? Whereas in your hostage situations, it is a little bit more black or white. Yes, it's safe resolution to the hostage situation. Yeah. That's it. That's the one as my sole aim to do that. So yeah, I think some of some of those, and I think I'd really want to sort of what I really found interesting as well is one of the things to listen or to do is to listen. It's the ability to listen to more than words. 
So what are the emotional words? What's the little hooks that some people throw out in conversations that you can then latch onto and sort of use them to sort of prize open and sort of get into a real discussion rather than that superficial one? So I think the hooks are, do you say, I always looked at the scenes, it's like if you're going fishing, when you're going fishing and you just listen to somebody talking in, the, in if they're a perpetrator talking, they will, they, they will inadvertently or in their language, they will throw little hooks out and it's listening for those. Really, yeah. where, where are they? And then how can I then use that? How can I grab that hook and then start working with it? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that in terms of body language because commercially, certainly there used to be a lot of body language clues. You, you were sat across the desk from a, from a buyer, from your procurement, you know, procurement to manager. Less so nowadays a little bit because of emails and technology has moved on a little bit. But nevertheless, still, I always recommend when I train negotiation, get in front of the person. You've got to see their body language. You've got to do exactly what you said, listen and observe, not just to the words they say, but how they say them and how, if their body is congruent mm -hmm. with the words that they're using. My question, I suppose, and in, in, in relating this into hostage negotiation is I'm guessing that there's little body language. You are doing a lot of this presumably by telephone, are you? Via, via mobile, by mobile phone to the, or have I seen too many movies? <laughs> well, it all depends, doesn't it? So I, I was in the prison service. So yeah, if, if the prisoner said phone me, I'd say you shouldn't really have the phone. So there, <laughs> there is that. Yeah. So often we would be, we would be close to, so that the communication would be verbal. Sometimes you would have a face-to-face. -face. I was going to say, would you see them? Sometimes. Sometimes not. So it all depends on where they are physically and how they've set themselves up. So we, we just have to adapt to the situation and say, this will have to be done. Obviously, the, the idea is everyone in that, in that situation has to be safe. So it's where we can be in a position where we can communicate verbally, but from a distance that's safe. Okay. So, yeah, you still, so sometimes you've got body language, sometimes you don't, but you're, to me, you're always, you're always listening. So you'll, as you say, listen to the tone of voice. You'll listen to what words does this person emphasize? Does this person repeat certain words? Cause that demonstrates that might be more important than anything else. Yes. Is there a certain theme that this person revisits a couple of times, which indicates again, that the level of importance to that when they're talking, what level of commitment is coming out of their language? If, and then, you can then listen to their language. Is, is their language becoming more or less aggressive? Is it becoming more confrontational or more collaborative? Yeah. So using that to try to gauge where they are on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I do think even though you can't see them in certain situations you've outlined, so therefore you don't have the classic definition of body language because you can't visibly see them. I always contend that there's a little sliver of, of that that does betray their body language. Whilst you can't see it, you can you can sense from the words they use and how they use them and all the elements that you picked upon, their pace of delivery, their agitation or or, or you know or, or level headedness. You you can still sense a sliver of their body language, even though you yeah, can't physically I see it. 
Yeah, you could definitely, you get a sense of where they are. Correct. And it's amazing. It's just the power to listen, but you're listening in more than words. So you're listening to understand, not just to hear. Yeah. And you're listening for those hooks because then that's, that's the path in because you're starting to understand what's their language, what's important to them. How can I then sort of use that? And sometimes, and then it's about being aware of, you can't overuse something. So if, if somebody might say something, I know, or they, you might, you get them talking because you're trying to get them talking away from, to take their mind off the situation as well, just to try it because you've got to start getting to know this person to a degree. So it's about massively trying to uh, build trust with the person. And that's a little bit where I'll go back to emotions as well. And, and I think this is any type of relationship that you're trying to build trust because that's basically what you're trying to do, trying to build trust. Correct. And so you have to give something of yourself to get something back. Yeah. So I think, and that sounds quite counterintuitive if you're in negotiations. So, well, I've got a prisoner here. How much of myself am I going to say? Am I going to say I've got, I've got two kids? Am I going to say this? Am I going to feel comfortable saying things like this or not? But if you don't say anything, then you are seen as the system. Yeah. It's, it's the law of reciprocity, isn't it? Yes. Reciprocation and likability, familiarity. Yeah. And so, and you're getting, so people will be much more likely to listen to you if one, they like you as a person, if obviously they trust you, but there's reciprocation because I'm going to do something for you. So that's used quite a lot. So I've done that now as an act of goodwill. Will you do this for me? So you're sort of trying to get these little bits of goodwill going. Yeah, and I've done that commercially as well. Yeah, that's exactly a winning strategy, isn't it, to do that? So give you. I've done a little bit for me. What are you going to do for me now? So I've I've given you ten percent discount on this. So what's 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 your payback for me now? So I think that technique works because it is it's human nature. It's like reciprocation, likability finding familiar grounds or conversations you can have a conversation about with somebody because then you've got that similar similarities and we we connect better with people who are similar to us yeah and it is crucial as you say that we hook those together because what we shouldn't do certainly commercially is just give things away because we think it'll soften the other party up in in fact it hardens them up it makes them more more tenacious because they they lose that little bit of respect for you because you've, you've you've given things too easily so I think it's important that you do reciprocate, that you get something back in return for making concessions or making moves. Yeah, so they might say, so I'd assume, because I don't, I've not done negotiations in a corporate life. But somebody says, right, we need this delivered by the end of the month. And you say, well, if I can get it to the end of the month, which we wouldn't normally do, but if I do that for you, what are you, gonna, what are you willing to do to help us? Yeah, or, or sometimes even stronger. You say if you do, if you can pay within twenty days or pay within ten days, then I'll guarantee you get that delivered by the end of the month. So you're hooking what you want to that delivery by the end of the month. Those. So All right. Okay, yep. So you are you are being specific with what you want in order to then offer what they want. So yeah, causality. If 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 you do this, then I can guarantee that what you want is going to be deliverable. Correct. Okay. So that again, that's the mutual gain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and I it's think having, also gone. It's having any move that you make have a an inverted commas price attached to it. Have something attached to it. Yeah. Okay. And I think the same that in negotiation in the environment we were in, because it's like 
you're talking to somebody and you even if everything you do is about getting to that end that end point so obviously you've then got the the, the line isn't it where the government says we don't negotiate with terrorists so we're not we're not going to give we're not going to give in so you know that they that they are very rarely ever or never going to get their demands met so you that i think is a difference isn't it we we're not trying to get an, an agreement of where they're going to be it said well I know what's going to happen here is we're going to have to retake control of this situation, hopefully peacefully and ho- and with as little injury as possible and hopefully no injuries to anybody as the perpetrator or the victim. Yeah. So, and I, and I think that goes back to what we said, what I said at the outset in terms of, you know, what, I, what I've, what I've done and what I do and what I work with is, and, and the teams I work with, it's crucially important commercially, but it's not as, you know, it's not as cutthroat as that. It's not as much literally life and death as, as the situation that you, you could be dealing with or, or danger or injury. It's nothing, nothing of that nature. So I think it's important that we keep commercial negotiation in, in, in its own context. It's not as important. Is that the right word? It's not as important as the, the area that you trained on and that you, you, you spoke about in terms of hostage negotiation. I think, well, again, depends because some people might be negotiating and this is potentially life or death solution for their company. So there is, I think. I guess so. Yeah, I guess there is that that, that element of that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And if we lose this and I could lose my job and if I lose my job. So personally, there could be a lot of, a lot hanging on the success or not of this particular outcome we're trying to negotiate. But I suppose less immediately. In in your case, the situation scenarios you were speaking about, you were talking about, immediate danger weren't you You were talking about immediate potential of immediate harm yes yeah so i think it's it's in your face and it's there and you kind of know when you're going off track and it's not going well because unfortunately somebody could get hurt yeah if if it goes off track quickly and it, it can because we're dealing with people if you say something wrong it can tick the conversation into the wrong place and the person you've been working quite well with is calmed as all of a sudden massively escalated, and then you're like, "Oh my god, this is this person now is, I've now increased the potential risk of harm." Yes, yeah. And it's a job to get them back down to where they were before. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, the immediacy of that's one of the, the things I think you've got in in the field that I was sort of in is you've got the immediacy of of, of feedback mm-hmm. about what you're doing. Yeah. Is it working or isn't? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you, you will tell me in about three seconds if what I've said has calmed you down or made you more angry. Yeah. So there is, yeah, that immediacy again, isn't there? And the commercial team, the commercial negotiation is less immediate. And, and, and often the reaction is is a tactic rather than actually a real belief. Mm. It's a negotiation tactic. So the slight difference, yeah. There's definitely in the situation that you, you know, that you've trained on and you've been in, uh, obviously aware of and worked with. There is an immediate, as you say, three second reaction. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to say something, and I, I give a tip to anybody, anybody, never in the world have calmed down as telling somebody to calm down ever calmed anybody down. Trust me, <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not a great phrase when somebody's angry. Say, calm down, mate. Well, that, uh, well, that would upset him into mate. Who said you were my mate? And that's it. Boom, he's off again. Or 
yeah. calm down. Who are you? Tell me to calm down. I'm gone again. So that's again where you've got to be very, very careful in your in your your delivery of what you're saying and the words you're using. And that's why you really, really listen to the other person. So you, you're trying to communicate to them at a level that they understand and a level that resonates with them. Yeah. And using language that is works with them or for them. Yeah, I guess using language, their language back on them. Yes. Using their phrase, repeating their, mirroring their phraseology back to them would be advantageous, I would have thought. Yes. It's, I mean, I, I quite like, it's a bit like coaching as well. That's a, one of the things in coaching is you're listening for the language of the other person. So you don't, so the concept of clean language comes into this a little bit. Yeah. So you don't want to contaminate their thinking with your language if your language is different to theirs. Yeah. So this, again, that's that being curious and being open-minded. I'm not assuming you mean anything apart from what you've told me. And then I use what you've told me then and feed it back to you to try and move along somewhere else. Yeah. So neither, neither situation, we're reading between the lines. We want to want clarity of where the lines are. We're not reading between them, are we, at all? No, you're looking for clues all the time. So you, you, you're, yeah, hopefully what's it, the, the phrase of peeling back the curtains. So let's, let's, let's actually peel back the curtains and really try to, to work out what is going on so that we can position ourselves in a, in a place that's going to be beneficial yeah 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 and so yeah that's so that's, that's some of the key the key things i think as you say the, the differences we've identified really is one is usually the immediacy of the outputs and the real and as there are there is only one outcome we're looking for in negotiation in a hostage negotiation that's it no, no matter what situation you put me in there's always an outcome i'm looking for yeah, uh, and it's exactly the same outcome. Exactly the yeah, same. In commercial, we use something called bargaining range, mm. which is the area of potential negotiated agreement. There is an area, and, and what, in simple terms, you know, what I gain, you lose, essentially, in that in that bargaining range. In a hostage situation, there's no bargaining range. <laughs> the bargaining range doesn't exist. Yes, it's uh, it's black and white, isn't it? Is yeah, bargaining involved? You know what? If I'll do this for you, if you do that for me, there's bargaining, but there is no range. <laughs> no, yes, there is one output. That's it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. One desired output, hopefully, and that, that's the one we always always will strive to do, which is a peaceful resolution as well. So, where they voluntarily come out and yeah. voluntarily say, "Look, I'm yep, yeah, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to come out." Yeah, and getting the, getting somebody to the realization. If, if we can get somebody to that area of realization, then it's been successful because the person yeah. says, "I'm voluntarily. You're not. There's no force involved. We don't, nobody has to go in. There's no risk of uh, no risk of people being hurt. And if we can get it where they actually haven't hurt the perp any of the victims as well, then that is an absolute. That is that's like the gold standard sort of result should be looking for. Somebody comes out and says, "Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I made a mistake. Shouldn't have done it. I'm really sorry." hands up and then the victim is unharmed yeah physically i mean obviously then there's the they're dealing with the victims afterwards and the people involved and sort of the emotional trauma and stuff that has to be unpacked afterwards so sure i don't think we should forget about the mental uh, journey people go through rather than just the physical yes yeah 
so there's the support network around them yeah yeah and even that's that's considered in negotiation how we finish negotiation i won't go into the details because i have signed the official secrets act so, there are certain things I can't say, but yeah, even at the, uh, the resolution is carefully choreographed as well. Yeah. Yeah. For a lot of that about let's, let's look after the victim now. So yeah. um, all the way through. So that's an interesting aspect, but, sure. and I think one of the things to consider also is, and I don't know if you do this in, in what you do. I know you said to keep the emotions out, but it is also. Unless, unless they're strategically advantageous, but yes, generally. But, um, Oh, yeah. is to create that relationship and and, and, and and make sure that people in the, involved in this are people and recognised as people. So you want to humanise the process wherever possible. Of course. And the people in it. So the victim, recognise the perpetrator as an individual who's got things they want to meet. So you can start, so you want to find out their names, you can talk to them, you can build that rapport. And then they will talk to you if you're the um, negotiator in a way where they'll know your name and so you take away, I'm not the system. Yeah. You're not talking to the system. You're talking to me as an individual because that gives you a separate area to bargain with or to build your personal relationship trust with this individual. Yes. Because normally they, they've got an issue with the system. Yeah. And if they see you as the system, yeah, then you're, you're going to find that much more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Interesting to see. I came into this discussion thinking that there were more differences than similarities, but actually they're slightly nuanced. They're slightly different. They're slightly, they're marginally different, but there is a lot of alignment there as, as well, isn't there? A lot of alignment in terms of the overall strategies that, yeah, we, I think that we're trying to deploy. Yeah, I think overall they're both they're both got an outcome that you want, wasn't it? Where, where especially if you get the peaceful resolution, where one person's going to come away and say, Do "You know what? This is the best I could have got out of this situation," and then we come away saying, "We've got the best solution we could have got." So that comes back to both parties being relatively satisfied with how yes. it's how it's panned out. So yeah. I think they're the similarities. So we're both trying to come away with a people at the end of it voluntarily accepting the outcome yes yeah and feel that they've got out of it what they wish to achieve yeah 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 probably not so much in the hostage they haven't got out of it what they wish to achieve but what they've done is they haven't made their situation any worse yeah yeah and they still might yeah i guess they walk away with their own self respect Sometimes reinstated, yeah. rein, you know, reinstated to some extent. Again, I think it depends on who they who they are, what what they're trying to achieve, and why they were in that situation. So we're definitely, at least, hopefully, they'd have come away with an idea of how they can resolve their issues. A way of moving it forward. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good. That's it. So yes, but yeah, I don't think I said that, as I say when I talk to people uh, and I've done stuff around leadership development and bits and pieces it's there are not a lot of differences and i think we negotiate pretty much with people on a day-to-day -day basis because we always try to get things done these are just much more formalized processes that we're yeah. talking about so you're in you're in negotiation a contract i'm in negotiation where somebody's taking somebody hostage and they're more formal but when i worked in the prisons every day you were talking to prisoners you were asking them to do stuff you were negotiating an outcome 
yeah. on a day-to-day, minute-by-minute basis and the same as at work. So I don't, I don't think these skills, we should see these skills as, as they are developed purely in these formal areas. I just, I think they're good skills for everybody to develop. So we talked about being very acute at listening, going yeah. into things with open minds, being curious about where the other person is and why they're there. What are their, what's this person's drivers? Why are they doing what they're doing? What are they trying to get out of this? How can I get a solution that helps both of us? So I think if we went into most of our interactions with those that, that thought process and those skills, the world would probably be a much nicer place. Yeah. It really would. Yeah, and sometimes it's the emotion and the noise that gets in the way of that, isn't it? It's just that, it, and it's sometimes it's this need to win. It's need to be seen to be doing something, need to be seen to be winning. Whereas in reality, the achievement and the, the winning in inverted commas is is the mutuality it's the moving it forward in a mutually positive way yeah it's not it's not it's not the winning as such it's 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 deeper than that it's it's a more deeper understanding than that yeah i think it's a long term isn't it i i could win now and you won't get what you want but i've got what i want but in the long term then that damage that relationship could be correct long term and it's a lot harder but if we actually always look for mutual gains and they will give us something in return again that reciprocation that feeling of trust and everything else we would have, that would be ongoing and happen all the time. Yeah. 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 There we go. We could, we could create a negotiation, everyday negotiation, leadership training framework. Oh, funny that I've invented one. (laughs) I'm getting it. I am getting it trademarked as we speak. Right. Okay. Based on a lot of my experiences in the prison service and also research around how people can be influential fantastic all the time not learning these skills and tricks and trades but to be influential all the time in how they act and how they behave on on, in all their behaviors basically drills into their dna excellent behavioral stuff anyway gary it's great talking to you again i'm sorry i I look look forward to seeing that look forward to seeing you know when that um when that comes out comes out yeah Yes. But listen to this space, even. Exactly. Listen to this space. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Gary, it was great talking to you again. Thank you very Thank much. You, Scott. If we think of another podcast title, then again, we may come together in the near future and do another one. <laughs> How to play the ukulele after listening to your podcast today, your uh, yeah. business bands. Yeah. It's, it's funny you should mention that. I still have it with me. Go on then. Give us, give us a... how's that what a way to finish what a way to finish it reminds me of the days when i used to listen to dueling banjos <laughs> exactly that that takes me back to yeah okay scott good to chat you again and you you take care and have fun oh i've got to just do me hang on a minute say so thank you very much for turning up mm-hmm.